0: platforms. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another great show for you today as we look back on yesterday's All-Ireland Ladies Football Final as Dublin beat Cork to win back-to-back All-Ireland titles. Joining me on the line is Dublin forward Noel Healy. Noel, we'll start with the celebrations, obviously, back-to-back champions. It must have been an amazing feeling, you know, in the team hotel with your teammates, your family, your friends, as you kind of look back and reflected on such a great achievement.
1: Um, yeah, geez, it was really, really special. Um, it was unbelievable. We had we'd, we'd such a good night. It was lovely um, to to kind of to share that with them and to be able to kind of just take stock and, and have a little chat and a little you know a little moment with them was unbelievable. It was really, really special.
0: Yeah, and I guess you know last year obviously it was probably very emotional winning the you know the first All Ireland with this team. Uh, what what was it like this year? Did did it feel uh, different at the final whistle? Was it a different sort of emotion?
1: Yeah, we were actually saying saying that that like. I think for a few of us, it probably hasn't properly sunk in yet. I think last year there was just such euphoria, um, at the end. And then this year, um, it was just like, it was just such a tough battle and to kind of, to, to, to finally just get over that line and get, and get that win. Um, it's, it was a very different feeling. It was, yeah, I, I honestly don't know if it's properly sunk in yet. I think today when we just have a chat with, amongst ourselves and properly take stock of it, it will probably sink in fully. But um, Yeah, it it was really,
0: really special. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how you (coughs) you kind of framed it there because I guess, yeah, last year it was getting over the line for the first time, the monkey off the back. This year it was kind of like, you know, you had a job to do. You know, you guys were the favourites. You were probably expected to win. There was a back-to-back All-Ireland title there for the taking. So it was probably a, a much different mindset maybe to what it would have been last season.
1: Yeah, I think going in, I suppose we kind of said it all week that, I, you know, going in as champions, it probably just gives you that little bit of confidence. It doesn't guarantee you anything at all, mm. um, especially when you're, when you're when you're coming up against Cork. And, um, yeah, it, it, I suppose it was difficult to kind of refocus in, but I suppose we, we've been lucky we've been there the last five years that, um, you know, there was a good chunk of us who, who were experienced with that and who had, who had experienced it before and kind of knew what to expect. Um, so from that point of view, you know, it was kind of just, We we weren't that phased by it, but like going into an All Ireland final against Cork is kind of a different animal. And um, yeah, we we you know we were we were just really focused on making sure that we got the performance and just stuck to our own game plan. And when it was going away from us, we were able to manage it um, a little bit.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned Cork. There, obviously, I think that's what piqued people's interest even more so maybe than last year. I think there was an extra four or five thousand there to breach the fifty thousand mark, and I think a lot of that had to do with the Dublin Cork rivalry, which was been so great for the sport. Like, how, how big a thing was that for you guys? Obviously, you hadn't beaten Cork to win your All Ireland last year, so you know I think a, a lot of people deep down probably felt that you had to maybe beat them to get to get maybe the respect you deserved.
1: Yeah, like you know, in 2010 and last year as well. Everybody said that we haven't beaten Cork on our way to an All Ireland final. Um, and I suppose for us it was it what like it was something that we you know we I suppose we wanted to kind of set straight. Um, look, we've absolutely massive respect for the girls. Um, for the Cork girls, they're a phenomenal team. You know, the 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 standards that they brought to ladies' football over the last decade has been unbelievable, and you know they're the reason that the game is as popular as it is um but yeah i think you know haven't had those defeats to them um over the previous years and just because they're the team that they are i think you probably you do want to kind of get get over the line against them but um no, it's, it's, it's not to say that we had any grudge or anything against them, it was just that they're the standard bearers and we kind of wanted to prove ourselves against them I suppose.
0: Yeah, and w- would the kind of quirk factor have been something that was talked about in the build-up or was it kind of like an elephant in the room looming over everything that you didn't really want to speak about or, or you just wanted to kind of concentrate in your own game?
1: No, no, we absolutely addressed it. Um, I think, I suppose last year we kind of expected to meet them um, on, on route to a final and we didn't the way that the, the draw went and um so I suppose this year we were kinda of saying, you know, we'd it was it was the one it was the one it was the game that we wanted to prove ourselves. We have to, and we did address that. We said coming in that this was the game that we all wanted, um, because it was. So there was no point in, in hiding away from the challenge at all. Uh so, you know, we were we were happy and, and ready to face them.
0: And for the game itself, obviously, you know, you know, Dublin got off to a pretty good start. You know, you got the penalty, another goal from Carla Rowe, Cork fought back really well, cut the game to a point in the closing stages and I get—I guess they, that was the period in maybe the other finals where Cork kicked on but this time it was Dublin who, who surged. You got another goal to kind of clinch the game. Like, What do you think was maybe different about the last couple of minutes this time around that saw Dublin come out on the right side of the result?
1: Yeah, because for the first 10 minutes of the second half we were kind of same not say well Dublin but we were kinda of probably playing the way that we would have played in previous finals, gung ho just trying to run at them in ones and taking them on and taking silly options and silly shots. Um and they were just, you know, take, taking their shots, get um you know, they were they were, you know, winning freeze and taking their freeze and I think it got down to one point and there was a there was a goal I'd say from Neve Collins and I think I don't know what it was, but that was kind of the turning point for us. I think we kinda from then on, we just we kept the ball very well. I think probably one of the best scores we got was Sinead Goldrick's point, where we kind of, you know, we were smart about it. We kept the ball, kept the ball, kept the ball, waited for the wait, waited for the space to open up, and then kind of, um, you know, went for the score. And I think that just kind of showed, I suppose, how we how we had matured a little bit as a team, and that, mm. you know, we just we knew in ourselves to, to kind of wait for it and to and to open up. And I think that was kind of probably the little bit of maturity that we had, and that like a game can turn very quickly and all that happen, all that matters is that you have the ball. Um so I think for me anyway that, that kind of was, was the, the point that showed how much we'd matured and had learned, I think.
0: Yeah, What was there a different tactical approach to facing Cork this time to maybe versus the other finals?
1: Um yeah, I mean there had to be because they're di- they're a different team, they're different players, they're different forwards, they're different midfields. You know, a lot of it, those girls had had moved on um from when we had faced them previously um so absolutely there was a different tactical approach because you know they play a different style um so yeah from that point of view but I mean we kind of we'd spoken about our matchups earlier on in the week and we'd spoken about Cork last week and you know coming into the match this week it was it was it was honestly it was really just all about us and Mm. the game that we wanted to play and how we wanted to you know to to how we wanted the match to go and how we wanted to play, what style and brand of football that we wanted to play.
0: And when you're in the moment and Cork do cut it to one, is there any party I kind of having like you know Vietnam like flashbacks to the other finals <laughs> and, and what went wrong and thinking, oh geez, this can't happen again.
1: Um, well, I wouldn't say Vietnam flashbacks, <laughs> but you do. I mean, you have to learn from everything. That's what we said that there's no point in 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 experiencing those finals and not learning from them. And I think that's what what is a good. Well, it's probably the good thing about losing a final is you're more critical about yourself because you go back and you look at the what ifs and you look at what you did wrong. Whereas if you win, you kind of forget about what happened and you kind of you don't learn from from the mistakes that you might have made. So, absolutely, you know, we we weren't afraid of it. We, you know, we we'd been in those situations before, and we I think that's why we we managed the momentum so well. And you know, whenever they were kind of getting on top, when we had the ball, we made sure that we we we. You know, we used it smartly. We didn't just try to go down there juggler and, and move the ball at 100 miles an hour. We, we kept the ball because you know that that's king. It's a possession game. If you have the ball, you can control the game. So I think that was probably the one the, the one lesson that we had
0: learned. Hmm. And what has Mick Bone brought as, as manager? Obviously, he's been here for two seasons now, two All Ireland uh, titles. You can't get much better than that. You know, after a couple of years of near misses, what has he maybe added to the to the kind of the package to get the team over the line? Do you think?
1: Um, well, like I mean, like Mick is obviously a fantastic manager, but there's an unbelievable backroom staff, backroom team there. Yeah. Um, you know, we've very, very good back coaches, and you saw last year or last yesterday. You know, that the backs put in an absolutely phenomenal performance, um, and then we've Elaine Kelly, one of the forward, forward, former Dublin players, in um, with the forwards. So, I mean, Mick always puts a big emphasis on um, on skills and he makes sure that you know first and foremost, you're a good footballer that you, you've you all the skill sets needed. Um, and after that, he just, you know, I mean, he just made sure that we fell back in love with the game. I think he saw us as a, as a fairly wounded bunch when he kept us, when he took us over last, last January and he kind of just stripped it back and just made sure that, you know, we're playing because we love the game and, and he kind of taught us just to to enjoy the, the game that you're playing and, you know, he, he, he gave us a skill set, he gave us a, you know, a a way to play and I think this year, Probably what was the, the the most thing that we noticed was that you know we were kind of taking responsibility for it in the training sessions if, if things weren't going right or um, you know if we were doing a, dr- a drill we were making sure that we were we were you know pulling the standards up, up when we were controlling everything and, and making sure that we were playing the way that we that we wanted to play and I think that was that, that was massive for us because you know in in the in the heat of battle he can't be on the pitch telling us what to do and you can't really hear anything from the sideline so I think. He kind of taught us to take responsibility for everything and to, uh, you know, to, to to manage the games ourselves.
0: Yeah, one of the interesting things you mentioned there, I guess, was how he, he wanted you to get back to maybe enjoying football a bit because you can see now, you know, now that you've gotten over the winning line, there's a great spirit and you play with, you, play with like a, you know, a real good energy. But I guess when you are losing those finals, getting so close and haven't achieved the ultimate success, it must be hard, I guess, to keep that enjoyment and keep not the enthusiasm that'll be there, I guess, but the enjoyment factor because there's so much pressure and you, and you want it so much. It can it be tough, like, if you can think back to before you guys maybe got over the line
1: um yeah it was I suppose like first and foremost like we're we are a very close group and um you know there's there's I'd say 25 26 of us that have nearly been there since 2013 and have come along and you know it's not success that kept us there it was a hunger and it was a bond between us and I think that was kind of first and foremost that like we, we we're proud to represent Dublin and we want to play football with our friends and I think that's that was the main thing that brought us back every year was just the, the bond that we all had. And I think there was a belief there. We knew how close we were. We knew that eventually we'd make a breakthrough. Hmm. I don't think we we thought that it would take us three years. But, um, you know, th- there was a belief there that eventually we, we would get a breakthrough. And I think that's kind of what brought us back. Like, I mean, to, to get to three Ireland finals in a row, I know to lose them is hard. But to get there is something that we were always immensely proud of. Um, And I think, you know, that's what we focus on a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, I guess it's funny that a big part of the Dublin story has been like a documentary, the Blue Sisters documentary. It gave like such a great insight into the team and kind of to some of the personalities that we might, I guess, know outside of their footballing careers. Like, how big an impact do you think that has had on the team? Because it was such a positive, I guess, it's such a positive reception. Like, was it something that you think has benefited the team overall?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny. Like, I've been involved in the team and in the team since I was it like eight or nine. And I think it's not, you don't realize the benefits the team sport give you and that kind of, that support network gives you until somebody else says it to you. And that was kind of the main message that we were saying to, you You know, they were the bond that was there and the support structure that was there. And I think, you know, it, we, it's just allowed us to kind of take stock of how special that is and, you know, how special a bond that is. And I think that's, that's really important because you can kind of go through this and not really appreciate what you have, um until it's finished but i suppose it kind of just gave us a, a moment and time to kind of just say you know what we have is really special and to be able to to have these days w- with a group like that that you get on with so well is is, is unbelievable and it's nice to kind of enjoy that in the moment rather than when you're looking back
0: and it gives you maybe a bit of celebrity as well <laughs> a small fish i think
1: yeah no i mean like there were some brilliant stories in that obviously Sinead Finnegan and. And Nicole, we're you know we're 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 good enough and open enough to be able to share this story with us, and um, yeah, like I suppose, and it's good. Like it's it's not just for us; it's good for the sport in general. I think that ladies' football kind of has that little bit of, I don't know, as a clamour, but definitely just a little bit of um, notoriety, anyway.
0: Yeah, like big time, and It's going from strength to strength. Like to to, to break the 50,000 barrier, I guess. Obviously, you guys are so focused on the game that it probably is an aftertop. But now that you've come through to the other side and you can reflect on the whole occasion, like it must be phenomenal to be able to say, well, you played in front of 50,000 fans at Croke Park.
1: Absolutely. I mean, to see the Cusack and the Canal end open was just like the upper tier was just unbelievable. It was kind of the first time we said that we walked around and we just really enjoyed the parade. Um, looking like you know just soaking in the atmosphere looking up and seeing how full croke park was and you know the the, the vibe that was there was unbelievable like i was i was looking through the attendances since 2014 was the first year that we were there i think it was 29 thousand that year and you know that was that was a big one they they kind of just wanted break to break the 30 thousand and and to be now saying that you know it's 50 thousand i mean they're getting very close to hopefully someday having a full croke park or at least having the 80 thousand there
0: yeah, because like uh, at this stage, the ladies' football has become like, a, or the final has become like a kind of a trailblazing kind of women's sporting event. It, certainly, in in European standards, like uh, like how how big is it? Do you think to be a part of that movement because uh, like it's just going from strength to strength.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's massive. I think like it's kind of it seems to be the sport that every young girl is playing at the moment. Um, you know, if you're if you're talking to anyone, they seem it seems to be the one that all the little girls are playing. And I think it seems to be a very, very popular sport. And I think we need to, like, it, it is a brilliant sport. I mean, I think the skill set that involves and the, the fitness that it involves is, is is, massive. So I think, you know, I think ladies' football needs to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that, that maybe I think adds to the popularity and it, it kind of stuck out to me in particular watching the final and versus maybe the Kamogis final is how the rules allow for a lot more contact. Like, it's a lot more, I guess, like the game people are used to watching.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think the referee was, you know, let that happen last year, or yesterday, in that if you kind of let a little bit of physicality and contact happen, I mean, we're all strong girls, we're doing, you know, extensive strength and conditioning programmes um, and fitness regimes, I think there's no point in in not letting us use our physicality and not letting the game flow like that, because that's the way the men's game is, so there's no point in, in saying that it's a, it's a non-contact sport, and I think that does Add to it as well, you know that that bit of excitement, the big hits going in.
0: And I guess from the perspective of ladies football as a whole, like you know, obviously it'd be great to capitalise on the momentum of having such a big crowd there yesterday. Like, what 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 do you think the future holds for ladies football? Or what areas would you like to see maybe take another leap forward?
1: I think in the league and and the earlier stages of the championship. They're, there seems to be that disconnect between the the you know the numbers that attend the final and then the numbers that are at the semi final. Mm. Like this year at the semi final, there was a double header. It was the two senior finalists playing you know one after another, and you know there wasn't a massive crowd at it. And I think something needs to be done to kind of promote those games and get people out to, to attending that to get the numbers up for that. And I think you know if if that can happen, it'll be a massive step.
0: Mm. And from a Dublin perspective now, like I get the sense that you're you're, you're quite an ambitious group of girls. That maybe uh, would you like to maybe come into the space that Cork have occupied for the last ten years and go on a bit of a run and add multiple All Irelands now?
1: Um, look, yeah, look. I think every team, every every year you set out in January, the goal is to, to get to Crow Park in September and to, to win. Um, and that'll be no different from us. It's it's not about stacking up All Irelands. It's it's a, you know every year is a new year and every game is a new game and. You know, every time that you come out you want to make sure that you're you know, you're starting a new year ambitious. So, you know, for us it's not about back to backs or whatever. It's 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 just when you start out you wanna you know, you want to get to the end goal at the end of that season, hopefully to to you know, another all Ireland final in Croke Park and, and then hopefully to to, to win it.
0: Um, and just, I guess, the last question then, Noel. Like, what's what's the next you know couple of days like for you? in The next week or so, like, do you, to, are you gonna take some time off? You got, how long will the celebrations go on for?
1: Um, yeah, I I, I imagine like it'll be a pretty busy week. Um, we have got hospital visits this morning, obviously, and the homecoming and Sylvester's, and then um, <laughs> it'll be a bit of a party for the week. Anyway, um, I think most of us are back and work on Wednesday or Thursday. But uh, no, I I think it'll be I think it'll be a busy winter.
0: Well, a much-deserved few days off, Noelle. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Congratulations and best of luck for the future. Thanks very much. Thank you. And that's it for this season on the Throw-In Podcast. Thank you so much for listening throughout the year. We'll see you again in 2019, but until then, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next year, thanks for listening and goodbye.